0: the podcast for women in STEM and education. I am Dr. Amber Miller. And I am Dr. Richa Chandra. On today's episode, we speak with a very high energy STEM influencer and environmental scientist, Isa Valdez. But before we get into that, Amber, how are you dressed for success?
1: Well, today I was trying to channel the island vibe while still being professional for my job duties but I am in this calm, like muted sand color-esque shirt that's a little drapey, a little bit flowy, yet professional. Um, So now I'm kind of dreaming of being on the beach, right? I can feel the sun, I can hear the waves. But before I enter a calming trance, how are you dressed for success today?
0: So I have a cute little accessory kind of going along with the island vibe. You see my headband here? I guess it's an A-serapi pattern, which is common in Latin America for blankets and, and actually headband accessories. Super colorful yellow to represent our colorful and ebullient guest, Isa, and um, you know who herself is um, very fashiony, and you know, has like an awesome presence um, on Instagram and in that influencer world. So, hi Isa, we're super excited to have you here with us. You're our first environmental scientist, our first Latina Seminista, <laughs> Our first STEM influencer, which um, you know you may like this or not as a label. <laughs> so many first with you, and you're also the founder of the STEM Gal Network, which you actually started on LinkedIn, I believe. Um, and I think you're also our first guest who is not currently residing in the continental United States, since you're out in Honolulu, which we're super jealous of, by the way. Agreed. Agreed. <laughs>
2: Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's really uh, an honor to keep, you know, learning and share a little bit of my background. Well, I, oh my God, this December, I was reflecting that it's been seven years since I graduated college. So it's been now, you know, every year you look back and it's like, wow, that was fast. Um, But everything started with a passion. I, I think that's one of the many things that here in the STEM influencing world uh, we share, we have a, a true passion for what it, our careers, either in science, engineer, tech. Um, and I think that's something that growing up, I struggle a lot because I, I grew up in Mexico, actually. I grew up in the border area between Mexico and the U.S. And in Mexico, and I guess it, it's still in many areas of this world where a, a girl, right, should it's it's meant to go somewhere. It's meant to do certain things with their life. And the fact that you start saying, oh, I'm good in math. I'm good in. Oh, like chemistry is not that heart. Like and you hear all these people saying what? Like, no, that's not right. Or or oh, I remember in high school, like being I, I consider myself a normal teenager, but oh, telling my friends, oh, I want to pursue uh, science or chemistry, some, somewhere along those lines. And they were like, what? Are you crazy? Like, that's so boring, blah, blah, blah. And it felt always like going against against something just because of that passion. So from the get-go, I felt very fueled by that. Oh, I don't care. I was at that, at that point, like, I don't care. I just, I don't know how I'm going to, Get, like work from there. Um, that was a concern that my family had when I told them I, I wanted to pursue environmental science. They're like, okay, cool. We don't know what that is, but good luck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and when I started college, I realized that, um, I don't know, I, I felt very motivated to, to be more hands-on and that pushed me to like keep my program, but I also wanted to get a research experience so I started reaching out to labs and so on and my last two years of college I was doing research thanks to this I was able to to practice you know being in the regional uh, research uh, sphere I got to go to a bunch of scientific conferences either national actually I think I went to a couple international national even like regional and that was really exciting because it, it allowed me to see how everything was kind of apply in, in the world. And as I graduated college, I remember one of the main things that it came to my mind, and now that I speak to a lot of STEM girls, uh, it's like, okay, I'm about to graduate. What do I do? What, what do I pursue? Do I continue my schooling? Do I um, go into the workforce? And... That's I think a very interesting question that everybody goes through and and nobody really prepares you. And the reason is because it's it's up to you, really. So I decided to to just return one day to, to school. <laughs> it's still on my plan seven years later. I graduated with with not a job. Like I graduated with my fingers crossed that I was going to find something. Um, I was still in El Paso. And that that's just such a small city that it, I was like oh my god like environmental science is not really a thing here I, I don't know what I'm gonna do so and on but I started knocking doors sending emails uh, so I got my first job as an environmental consultant like four months after graduation so that that was an interesting experience for those that are jumping from school to their first opportunity yes like I think that should be way more talk about because it's mm-hmm. such a weird, different experience that nobody really prepares you for that. And then a couple of years after this position, I was really enjoying it, but then I started really, I, I started getting really curious about hmm, what would be like the other side of the of the of the environmental world? So in the environmental world, you have the regulators and then those who they regulate, right? So as consultants, I serve the businesses and just make sure that they are in compliance. So I was like, I wonder how it's like to be on the regulator side, like saying what to do to someone. I landed a job as an environmental compliance officer and I'm. this made me move to Phoenix. It was with the State, um, state uh, Department of Environmental Quality in Arizona. And over there, it was it was great. So my job was to get into a car and like and drive all the way up across the state to visit all these facilities and make sure that they were in compliance. So nobody really wanted to see me. <laughs> they were like, I, I will get, be getting to the business. And they were like, oh, my God, you're here. Um, so there, I learned a lot about um, more like uh, soft skills because I... I stopped from being behind a computer in my first job. I was just drafting reports and um, kind of communicating my science. I I needed to make sure that they were in compliance. And and this is like any business, like from your power plant to your uh, motor shop or auto shop, like all type of businesses. It was so diverse, the type of people that I talk. And here's where I got really interested because if I knew they were not uh, doing what they're supposed to, I was supposed to explain them like the science behind it. Right. But not in a, in a very square way, because they were like, "Eh, don't care. I'm here for business. So Mm -hmm. there I really learned to um, listen, listen to people, uh, you know, active listening skills, negotiation even because there were some uh, maybe decisions that were being made on that business, that it was out of um, maybe ignorance or maybe not allocating the right resources in the right place. And and that was causing some trouble. So it got me into a position that I really got to understand why people sometimes comply or not comply. Mm -hmm. And after that, of course, if they were not Adhering by, you know, by the rules and all that, um, we were going to enforcement and that was interesting too. I'm not, I'm not a very confrontational person, especially like I want to back up everything with science and so on. But this position put me in a place where I needed to negotiate with the business. And here actually it's where the STEM goal started because it, I moved from a really small organization, less than 20 people to a 500 organization. Mm-hmm. And here is where I started noticing a lot of the times we are really prepared technically, but I I found myself here very frustrated in, in this job because I was like, how is it I'm smart? Like, I know, like, I'm not saying I'm the best, right? Or like the most the smartest person, but I'm like, I know I made my way through life here. So it's like, I'm smart. I, I think I, I, I have something to give in and I still felt like I could not um, manage a lot of like the new stress of the workplace Um, all the people like the work politics that were involved and I saw people excelling at this and I was like how is it they're excelling and in this period is where I realized that I felt very kind of limited and I was like maybe this is not for me maybe like this big institutions maybe this is not meant for me like maybe um, for some reason i, I put myself into this journey I, I think it was around when I was like 25 I call it my quarter life crisis <laughs> where I was like working I didn't have a sense of advancement and and every like it was funny because I talked to people um in instagram too like it's like it's funny because from the exterior you look like, you look fine like you're in your career, you're doing your thing, uh, you have a job, like, all those reasons should be enough. But I, I think it's when you haven't really sit down and slow down and think, okay, what is the bigger picture here? That is what happens. You feel like anything you do, it's not really, like, enough, or it's just frustrating, And it was just a lot of things that it made me question. It made me question, am I fit for this? Do I see myself advancing on this? Like for me, it looks so difficult because one, I didn't see that many women in leadership positions. It's not that it's men versus uh, women, you know, but it's like, okay, at some point, if I want to develop a career here, I need to see what are my options. And the best thing is, I guess, by looking around. And the few women that were in leadership positions or, Um, or that I kind of really respected what they were doing. And I saw myself doing that. Um, It seemed that they they had to choose between family and career. And that kind of freaked me out too at 25, because I was like, well, I know my personal plans and it seems that they don't fit here either. I kind of started reading about more about personal development. I started reading about like life purpose in general. And, And at the end of this journey, when I decided this, I was like, whatever it is, if I ended up in science, good. If I don't, I'm willing to just start over. I just want to be in a good place in my life and and have something. And I'll say this, like, I didn't know what I didn't know. I didn't know that I needed different things in order to succeed more in a corporate type of environment. I didn't know that um, the technical thing, it's very important, but it's only one of many. And that's when the STEM lab network uh, was born. I was like, I don't know if someone wants to listen to this, but I just need to like start sharing because it's like right now I can look back and think, oh yeah, it was bad. But in the moment feels really bad when you did all the things that you were supposed to do. I mean, following a passion, let's say as an engineer, as a scientist. Right. And then you get to a point and you're like, I don't know if I want to be here. Like that is so frustrating. And I started realizing that I have choices too, right? Like I, I can decide if I don't, I no longer want to be in this, let's say position. I could advocate for myself. Um, that's the other big thing. I wasn't really advocating for myself. I was more of showing good work. And if, uh, you know, something could happen, like if by I say now by miracle, someone noticed, um, good. And I was living my life that way. And no no wonder why I felt like I was not advancing because I was not um, promoting or even showing where my improvement was happening. And and I know this is a, a weird topic that I usually talk about because I used to feel it was like, I don't want to brag. Like I'd, I want people to see for their own what i'm doing and yes that's that's a big thing like show show right show your results but also don't be afraid to share the good work that you are doing um but the biggest shift happened when out of personal reasons my my partner got this job offer and he's like hey so we got this uh i have this new project he's in construction and I was like, well, we talk about staying in Phoenix. Uh, we like it here. It's convenient, blah, blah, blah. He's like, well, it's Hawaii. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and actually, um, yeah, it feels like at first, it's like, what do you think? So the company kind of flew us here to kind of check it out. And why, why they did that? So yeah, right? Like we come here and it's like, of course, we want to be here. <laughs> I saw this as my chance to really prove what I was talking about. And I was like, okay, I'm going to go through this interview phase and so on, but now I need to like really speak up for my work, speak for what I've done and so on. And I'm not going to say it was easy at all. I went through my meltdowns and everything and even <laughs> I remember at some point my friends were like, "Are you sure you're going to go?" and and I was like applying for jobs, getting no answers. Um, until one friend told me is that you need to start like reaching out to people personally via LinkedIn. And that's mm-hmm. also how everything started. Uh, I, I found out the power of that. I switched strategies and I started talking to people and little by little, like from knowing no one here on the Island, I got a couple of contacts and so and on. And that led me to now multiple interviews and so and on. So I got a job now uh, And one of the main things or learning lessons out of this kind of transition experience was that I got really honest with myself and I was like, what do I really want to do now? Um, Also, how much I want to ask for, like as far as salary, because now I was five years um, into the industry. So I was like, "Okay, I really never negotiated for a salary after five years. I think I shared that on Instagram. I was like, I'm really ashamed to, to say this because this is what everybody says. You should be always negotiating for, you know, these things. And so, but I was like, I I didn't find the strength until that point. And that's pretty much where I am right now. This is what the journey has been. And it's, it's been exciting now talking about it, like reflecting on it. It's, it, it's been interesting, but. There's more. I know there's more coming and more to to achieve. So
0: this is what I've been through. <laughs> well, I, I find that also inspiring. and, you know, that you're finding a way to create this network that, you know, to lift yourself up and and deal with those everyday challenges that, you know, all of us go through as women in stem. i'm I'm kind of curious because you you said that you felt that, you know, your education didn't prepare you for those soft skills and for what you needed to advocate for yourself. Do you, you know, what do you think that um, universities and colleges could do better for women in STEM?
2: I have like three or four points for that. I think one, developing the sense of, of your career path. Actually, my first job came from like one little interaction that my university um, organized and I got to learn from like the my ex-boss he, uh, which he was in business and in industry. Um, I got to learn from people from the city, but even those interactions made me realize, Oh, there's more than academia. The other thing I was thinking, let people know that there is a way to kind of plan your career, which is like, you look a little bit ahead, but also you, it's okay to have like a big vision every five years, uh, or that was our plan because we were all new in the industry, right? But it was like every five years I want to check where I am and 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 decide from there what what else it's it's coming for me. But I never had a big picture. I was just like very like into okay, what is my next couple of years? And and I think that would be uh, very useful.
1: Yeah, and it's fun to hear, I mean, we we kind of encourage students to do some of these things, right, but it's also fun to hear the benefits, right, that that they had on your life, right, and this kind of, um, I always tell my students, right, like, you don't know what you're going to like until you try it, right, and when you take a new opportunity or you try something that you, you know, don't really know that much about, one of two things is going to happen. Either you are going to find out you really love it, right, like, you love these different pieces of it, or you don't really love it, and that's also very helpful, too, because then you know, like, hmm, that's not what I thought it would be, or I thought I would like this, but this is really not something that I enjoy, and then you learn, right, you learn from that, too, which kind of leads us, so our next question for you is, what is the most rewarding part of being an environmental scientist?
2: Oh, that's a great question. I think what i enjoy the most, like I said, is to turn, turn this you know, complex data. Like when I work with a client, basically we go through a bunch of sampling. Uh, either w- we respond to something they they want to know what to do with a situation. Let's say there's a big spill, right? And there's so many things that go into that. Like the... The probability that it's going to get to a water of the U.S. or to the ocean here in Hawaii or to the groundwater, right? And there's all these decisions that need to be made and need to be made efficiently because, like I said, you're working for a client, so they also have their business interests. What, what I try to achieve is to recommend the best things that I know it's going to help him, but also I know it's it can really help, which is my ultimate purpose, protect human health and the environment. One of the things that I noticed at the when I was working for the state is that data is not everything, unfortunately. <laughs> if you're in the science world, this is so hard. Like it broke my heart when I was like a couple of years into my industry. Like, data is not everything. Sometimes you show the facts. You're like, hey, this really bad um, you know, component is here, and so on. And they're like, well, but there's this legal loop, whatever. And you're like, oh no, my God. <laughs> Sometimes you cannot give the best, 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 you know, like what is 100% the best option for, let's say, the environment. But maybe you can reach the 80 or the 95. And it's all like this creativity that goes into making recommendations for the client, how to make the best out
1: of the situation and react uh, as promptly as, as possible. That's really, I mean, it's really cool, and I, it would hurt me too to hear, right, that um, data isn't everything, right? As scientists, we, it's hard for us, right? We think data is everything, so we don't understand, right, why other people don't see it that way. But you know, as we progress into, you know, as we get wiser with our with our age and our learning, you know, we are starting to realize, right, it's how we communicate that data and the stories that we tell, and seeing from the other side, like you said, the businesses have a business. And a job to do. They're trying to make money. They're trying to do these different things. So they don't necessarily care. So it's our job to try and make them care about the things that, you know, are important from the environmental side. So what comes next in your career? And like, what are your biggest, your biggest dreams? My biggest dreams. That's a, a question that I've been asking myself too, <laughs> uh,
2: right? Like every, every couple of years is how a couple of years in ahead. So uh, actually, I'm I'm part of this um, membership. I don't know if you met another influencer, uh, Andrea Martin. Uh, she has this uh, membership group, and it's uh, career coaching. And I decided to get in because even though I went through this exercise, like, okay, I see, I found a kind of a role model, and I'm like, okay, she is in a position where I think I would like to follow. Uh, we went through this exercise of looking to actual roles and and organizations and or companies that that are doing something and and pick couple. Based on that, um, I'm just gonna be developing skills and on, on that. So I, I started new I started a new role that I didn't know I was even prepared for. So I need to build proficiency in that and and get to a point where I kind of I mastered most of the managing skills, like I said, all my life being a scientist, now managing people, managing resources, is like one thing at a time. <laughs> um, but after that, I would like to just keep going through the project management track and I have a really big passion for energy and water resources. So I see myself kind of going into that industry eventually, like I said, learning about what is possible has been amazing for, for me because now I, I dare to to dream. I dare to say, Oh, I really want that, um, and even though I, I know there might be challenges and so on, I I think I got to a point that I I know I can find support from like people like you, people like other um, other friends via yeah, Instagram or in LinkedIn. Right, uh, there's there's really this grow community that we are all supporting each other to just keep. Keep daring to say what we want and keep daring each other to, to go for it. Make small steps. You don't have to jump, right? Like that too high, or if you want to, that's fine. But just keep keep that momentum going and, and supporting. So yes, eventually I, I wanna make it there.
0: I love talking to young women as they're navigating these pivotal moments in their careers and trying to figure out which road to take. And you know, they're trying to balance their personal lives and their professional lives and the plans that they have. Yeah. I mean, and I think
1: I'm a little bit in this career transition, like job searching state right now. And it really is for me, this big emotional roller coaster of um, the scientist in me loves researching and looking for jobs and kind of like doing that part of the process. But then the application writing process is probably my least favorite where you have to write about yourself and come up with these, like how to make yourself and all the things that you've done fit with the job duties and responsibilities, you know, for these different roles roles, then the excitement of, oh, I got an interview, then the agony of like, waiting, did I hear, am I going to get to the next round? Did I not get the job? Right? It is very much like all over the place in terms of like, yay, oh, wait, what's going on? What's happening? Right? It's really, really hard and stressful and emotional. Right. all at the same at the
0: same time. I was just talking to one of um, my advisees about this today. Just like the whole, like he's applying to med school, right? But it's you know at different stages we we go through these um, you know stages of rejection and you know the, this little trite saying that they have now is like oh reject, rejection is redirection, you know that's fine. I think once you're like looking back on things in your life, but you know it, the whole process is so soul sucking and I don't know. I can I can see how like people get traumatized and you know even like just the emotional burden of, you know, having to keep putting yourself through that. Um, And as you get older and you have like a lot more concerns and responsibilities. And I was thinking too, you know, we have these awesome interns, right? We got into a cute little discussion with them about networking and doing networking events. And it was like a little debate about, well, networking is overdone, but you kind of need it when you're out in the professional world and you start becoming more and more isolated and I love like how ISA has this STEM gal network exactly for that. Like you have this community of women that you can just kind of commiserate with as you go through those things. Like, And I think we found that with each other and the wisest women, our organization, right? Like we're able to talk through these pivotal moments and, and lean on each other. So I think that I see networking as a very big positive. But, you know, I can also see how it's overdone for a college student who isn't quite out there. They're kind of in a comfortable place in in that moment. Our next episode of the Winecast is
1: Adrenaline for Medicine, reimagining tradition. Like, did you get what we did there? (laughs) Reimagining tradition with interventional radiologist, Dr. Barbara Hamilton. We get to learn more about this niche field that she is in, and she describes it a little bit like video game medicine.
0: Thank you for all your support. If you want to help close the gender gap for women in STEM and education, check out our website, thewisestwomen.com, and our social media for special events and information on how you can support this important mission. Thanks for listening. I'm Dr. Richa Chandra, And I'm Dr. Amber Miller.